Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, and I am here with Jess Wolf. She is our Western Nevada Urban Wildlife Coordinator. And then we have Lauren McLeod, who is our Southern Nevada Wild, Urban Wildlife Coordinator. So we, we're covering the whole state here, and we wanted to bring in the two of you because we've been getting calls, a lot of wildlife activity this year, whether it's been on the news or on social media or just the calls that we're getting in general. So thank you both. I know you've both been busy, so thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm thinking we could just start with, um, maybe I'll start with Western Nevada. Um, Jess, what have you been noticing this year as far as wildlife activity? Because we keep, I keep getting calls asking, is this abnormal? Is this due to COVID? I just feel like I'm seeing more wildlife. So could you explain the wildlife activity you've seen in Western Nevada and why that might be? Yeah, so I think a lot of people are stuck at home right now or going outside to these wild places and they're noticing a lot more um, wildlife in the area. It's not necessarily related to COVID because um, there's always been urban wildlife in our backyards. Um, we just don't typically notice it as much when we're wrapped up in normal life things. Um, so we're getting reports of things like bobcats and coyotes and bears in the area, um, which are all pretty normal, especially for this time of year, um, but people are definitely noticing them a lot more. Okay, and then Lauren, what about down in southern Nevada? Um, it's a pretty similar situation in regards to, you know, more folks are getting outside and kind of experiencing outdoor things or stuck at home, so they do have that extra time to observe their surroundings. Uh, in terms of some of the wildlife that we're seeing a little bit more of this summer, I'd say coyotes is a big one, uh, coming into the outskirts of the valley of you know, Las Vegas and the surrounding area. Uh, other than that, you know, a lot of birds and smaller wildlife that people are appreciating and observing in their own backyards. Yeah, I think it was a few, it feels like not long ago at all, but it's been a few months. It was toward the beginning of quarantine that we had both of you talking about some of the things you could see in your backyard. So it sounds like people are still viewing wildlife, maybe spotting wildlife a lot more. Um, so you really don't think it's anything abnormal this year. It really is just maybe more people being at home and that's why they might be seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we're stuck at home, we, we notice things a little bit more. I know I definitely notice, little, pick up the little things in, in my backyard um, that maybe I didn't notice last year and years before. So I think it's just us being a little hyper aware. Got it. And then this year, on top of that, as far as bears go, we've had a lot of bear calls. And um, that is a little bit dependent on the weather, their behavior and activity that we've we've seen them in some neighborhoods where they usually aren't. So I think a lot of people have been like, it's because of COVID and people are staying home. So it's attracting bears to the neighborhood, but really it has to do with weather and their natural food sources than anything else, right, Jess? Exactly. So we have noticed up in our mountains, there's a little bit less food for them to forage. 
So right now they're slowly starting to go into what's called hyperphagia where they can eat up to 25,000 calories every single day. And basically their job in these coming months is just to get as fat as they possibly can. Um, and our neighborhoods really provide a lot of um, high calorie food sources for them. So they're naturally kind of attracted to our spaces. Um, and especially with there being a lack of maybe natural berries up in the mountains, um, they're definitely more likely to come down into the valley areas of Reno and Sparks um, and those places in search of food sources, which is something that we really don't want them to get into. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like our um, bear biologists have usually this time of year, right before hyperphagia, they're, they're not really seeing bears in Reno until the fall. But this year they've been seeing them in um, just different neighborhoods that they might not usually see them this time of year. So it's just important that people are aware, but this really isn't, when we hear this, I feel like it's funny when people see a bear in a neighborhood, they're shocked, but we're really not that surprised when we hear it because it makes sense. Would you say that's right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately humans create really great habitat for all sorts of animals, um, especially when we have non-native fruit trees in our backyards. Those have plenty of sugars that are gonna provide lots of calories for lots of different wildlife. They're gonna attract rodents, which is gonna attract predators. Um, our garbage has a lot of really delicious smelling foods, um, like that old rotisserie chicken that you didn't quite finish all of it. That smells amazing to an animal like a bear. Um, and they can smell up to 10 miles away. So they definitely have follow their nose to find all those really high calorie things. That's why it's really important when you do live in bear country, which Western Nevada is bear country, even though we don't necessarily see them down here all the time, um, to always make sure that you're being really responsible with your garbage, putting it out the night, uh, the day of trash pickup, not the night before, uh, making sure that all of your fruit is taken off of the trees, before it gets ripe or right as it's starting to ripen up, um, making sure you're not keeping your bird seed out. All of those small little actions really do help to help keep our bears wild. Okay, and then one thing we're pushing this year too is um, a big problem is when we say secure your trash, people do that in different ways and they think they're securing it, but they're really not. So we're saying wildlife, because a lot of this applies to all wildlife resistant trash containers are the way to go. So I just wanted to make sure I plug that in there because we really want people to understand the importance of having a wildlife trash container. Because sometimes even when you put them in the garage, your garbage in the garage, that's attracting bears into the garage or the homes and they're then associating food with your home. So really wildlife resistant containers are the way to go. And we and those don't necessarily mask the smell of the food, but it makes it so that an animal can't get that food reward because they're all about surviving, right? And they need food in order to do that. And when they get that food reward, they're basically learning, hey, garbage means a delicious snack. I'm gonna come back for that. And it was super easy. So making sure that they don't get those food rewards is, is super important. And if you do live in bear country, making sure you don't put those really smelly, delicious things in the garbage can until Trash day is important, like you can freeze um, carcasses, make sure all your um, recycling is really well cleaned out, just trying to limit as many smells as you possibly can, because that's really what they're attracted to. And I swear we'll move from bears in a second. Yeah. I know we have Lauren, who's in Southern Nevada, they don't have bears there, so she's just patiently sitting here. <laughs> but um, for as far as bears do go though, um, 
with the what we were just talking about with the trash, um, would you say, so that's why I think wildlife resistant containers are so important because you could get those, the bears don't get that food reward. And you could also keep it, are you supposed to keep it a certain distance from your home? Um, I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule that we go by, um, but really just trying to make sure that the smelly stuff doesn't go in until the day that that food is being picked up and putting it out the day that uh, the trash people are coming because bears will learn um, trash roots and they'll come that night to try and forage in those trash cans. So just trying to limit all of those smells and, and yeah, not have them not associate the trash can with your home, with people, with food. Good to know. And you could always head to endow.org. The bear awareness page has a ton of different resources on trash containers and also um, Washoe County and Carson. You could reach out to them and they'll actually get you set up with a wildlife resistant container. So if you're in one of those areas of high bear activity, this is the year to get them. <laughs> so, um, so any other, do these tips apply to a lot of wildlife, right? Yeah, absolutely. Lauren, do you want to go into maybe some coyote stuff? Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of what Jess says does definitely apply to any animals that you might find to be a nuisance of any sort that come into your yard or into your neighborhoods. So with our increased coyote activity that we're seeing in some of the neighborhoods, uh, as it regards to their season, they've just uh, gone through their pupping season which means there's a lot of young coyotes kind of going about trying to establish new territories. And so during that time, they spend a lot of time traveling solitarily and that does bring them closer to neighborhoods than you know during other times of the year where they might not be getting that close to some of our neighborhoods. Um, but major uh, ways that we can reduce any unwanted encounters with coyotes is exactly what Jess was saying with the removal of attractants. So like bears, coyotes are huge opportunists. So they will eat whatever they can find. They're not very picky. Uh, so if you're leaving trash out or your trash bins aren't secured, then they're gonna come and they're gonna find those. And like those bears, they're definitely creatures of habit. And so when they understand that a neighborhood is providing that food source, then they're going to continue coming back to it. Because, you know, just like us, we, they don't want to work hard to get their food if they don't have to. So if food is put right in front of them, they're going to go for that easier food source. That includes not only your trash bins, but if you're leaving uh, food out for your cats or dogs, uh, you want to make sure that you keep that inside too, because that's going to bring other animals. You know, it's not just your cats or dogs that are feeding or drinking out of that. So there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, just ensure that you don't create problems with some of these animals that do live in our backyards. It's better to observe them um, on brief stints than to make neighbors with them. Exactly. And where um, bears are very northern Nevada specific, but coyotes, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why pretty much anywhere you live, you want to be following this protocol. Yeah, absolutely. And they're pretty urban too. Like it's not weird to see a coyote in a neighborhood. Yeah, no, it's not. We, we see coyotes even, you know, in the most inner parts of our, of, of Las Vegas. So they'll follow anywhere that has a good amount of water and food sources available. So, you know, anywhere you might see rabbits or rodents running around, you're probably going to see the predators of those rabbits and rodents. So if they can find that food that they need, 
there's a lot of, for example, in the Las Vegas area, a lot of canals that run through the center of town and that kind of serves as almost an, a wildlife highway. So they can follow that water source and find those food items that they need along the way as well. So it provides a really ideal habitat for them. Okay, good information for people. And there's a few more species I want to get into when we get back because we're going to have to take a quick break. I want to talk bobcats, mountain lions, and then what to do when you're enjoying the outdoors. So we will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are talking about all of the recent wildlife activity we've had this summer. Um, we've talked a little bit about bears, coyotes, and Jess, you were saying you've had some sightings of bobcats. Yeah, absolutely. So a bobcat is another animal that is really great at finding a little spot to live in our urban landscape. Um, they are going to be attracted pretty much to the same things as a bear and a coyote, but for different reasons. Um, bobcats are carnivores, so they're only eating meat, but all of the little small animals that are attracted by bird seed and trash and all of that delicious pet food that's around um, will attract a bobcat into the area. Um, and not a lot of people know a lot about bobcats and they usually are pretty freaked out when they see one. Um, but it's really important to note that bobcats really aren't a threat to humans. They're about the size of a medium-sized dog um, and they're just trying to find all those small little rodents and rabbits um, to, to eat. But um, making sure that all of those attractants again are completely put away and not accessible to our wildlife is really important to, to kind of limit the bobcats um, wanting to be in the area and getting those easy snacks. What about bobcats with pets? That's a question we've had before. They People have spotted a bobcat and they're like, I have children and animals and I don't know what to do. So what would you say to those people? Yeah, well, it's, um, they don't necessarily go after our pets really regularly. They certainly can. Typically, a bobcat's gonna be eating rabbits. Um, so if your animal is about the size of a rabbit, definitely always wanna monitor your pet when it's outside. Um, but they really aren't a threat to humans. And whenever you do see them in the area, it's really important to do what we call hazing um, and scaring it away. Basically, we're trying to teach the animal that humans aren't super fun to be around. Um, and when you see a human, you want to run the opposite way and maybe not be in the same space as a human. So getting really big, really loud, really scary is really important. Um, banging pots and pans together does a really good job of scaring them off. Um, and just really being cognizant of they are in the area, but they're not really going to be a threat to humans. Just making sure that your pets are on leashes or monitored when they're outside is going to protect them. Okay, and hazing goes for everything else too, right? Like mountain lions, bears, coyotes. Um, just make yourself look really big. That's what you would do if they were on your property, right? Absolutely, um, especially with bears and coyotes. That's typically what we suggest. Mountain lions, um, Sometimes a little bit different, but definitely for the other three, you want to haze them away. 
Got it. So let's get into that. Mountain lions, we've had some sightings this year, even reports of some. There was one in a neighborhood in Las Vegas that made the news. Um, but again, it goes back to what we said earlier. It's not completely abnormal or out of the ordinary when we hear about a mountain lion being in a neighborhood. Um, so Lauren, what would you tell people who, we've had a lot of people message us. Every once in a while, we get the mountain lion messages. I saw a mountain lion in my yard last night. Um, what would you tell those people? I'd say mountain lions in urban neighborhoods are definitely more uncommon than, you know, maybe the times that you might see a coyote or a bobcat or a bear. They tend to prefer environments that are far, far away from humans. But yeah, we definitely do have the occasional sightings of them coming in the neighborhoods. It's usually a situation where they're just passing through to find more suitable habitat. So they don't wanna spend time in developed areas. It's disorienting, it just doesn't provide the same resources that they can find in more desert or, or open habitats and environments. But if you do see them in your neighborhood, uh, it's definitely important not to approach them. They are rather large animals. Uh, they can be about five to six feet long, um, and that doesn't include their tail, which is just a few feet longer than that. So if you do see a mountain lion, just you know, make sure that you stand your ground and um, you, know, you can speak firmly to it. I wouldn't necessarily scream at it. Uh, High-pitched screams can actually uh, initiate a thought process of them thinking that you're a wounded animal. Uh, so you just wanna make sure that you're firm in your stance and you know, absolutely report sightings. I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, that in, um, in some of the sightings that we get reported, it actually does turn out to be other animals too. Uh, so if you get a brief glimpse of a, what you think is a mountain lion, but you don't get a very good look at it, it sometimes can turn out to be a coyote or otherwise a bobcat. Um, so some distinguishing features of a mountain lion that you might be able to characterize as such would be they have a very long tail, it's usually about three feet long, um, the tails behind them, and their stance is a little bit more muscular and robust than say a bobcat would be or a coyote would be, and they, um, they're, again, they're about five to six feet long, so they're definitely one of our largest predators that we have out here. That's really good information to have, especially that sometimes you might think you've seen one, but it's really not a mountain lion. So, and then also just the fact that it, usually if you do happen to see, which it is rare, really rare to see a mountain lion in your neighborhood, it is just passing through. So good information from you both. Um, I do want to get into, since we talked about it, more people are spending time outdoors. Um, I want to talk about what to do if you encounter one of these animals while out and about. So Jess, do you want to, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, so with being out in um, the mountains and things like that up here in Western Nevada, you always really want to be cognizant of all the smelly things that are on you um, because animals can smell those things. If you're out, um, Backpacking, you always want to make sure that you have a bear can to put all of your food and make sure it's stored properly. Always do the, the triangle um, that we're taught in like scouts and things like that with your campsite. Um, and if you do see a bear in a space where a bear is supposed to be um, and they're naturally foraging, you don't have to haze it away, but you should give it its space. Definitely never approach a wild animal. You always want to make sure you give it that distance um, and observe it from a distance and back away if it does notice you. Um, they're not 
going to be very dangerous to humans if you're giving it that space, um, but you definitely don't ever want to approach a wild animal. Okay, and what is the triangle in campsites? Um, so everything- not to put you on the spot, but I'm like, I'm not aware of this, and I'm going camping in a few weeks. So, <laughs> um, so whenever you're camping in like a, a place where there might be bears, like we kind of talked about, they have that amazing sense of smell. Um, so you're supposed to make kind of a triangle with your campsite, have your kitchen downwind, um, and then have your food in a separate space from your kitchen, so about 300 yards away and then have your um, tent and sleeping area also in about 300 yards away and create like a little triangle with, with all of your things. Good to know. And then um, a lot of campgrounds have bear lockers, right? So you would just put your thing, if you're at an official campground. Yep, absolutely. You always wanna use um, any sort of thing that a campground gives you, put your food and anything, really anything smelly in that locker. Um, and you never want to put anything into your tent that might be smelly and delicious. Like I know I have some delicious smelling sunscreen that kind of smells like coconuts. That's going to smell like a delicious dessert to a wild animal. So making sure that's not in your camping, sleeping space is really important. And um, changing your clothes after you cook is also a really good oh, tip. I didn't even think about that. So where would you, after you wear those clothes, where should you put them? In the bear locker or in a canister, would you say? Or? Yeah, I would, um, if you do have the bear locker, throw them in there um, with all of your other smelly goods um, or your bear canister is, is great as well. Just away from your camping or your sleeping area is going to be important. And then what do you do? I actually had someone ask this to me recently. Um, what do you do if you don't have a bear canister? Um, I don't know, say someone's listening to this on their phone right now and maybe they happen to have service and they didn't go out with a bear canister or bear locker, like you're in the back country. What, where would you put your clothes and all your belongings then? Or anything scented, I guess I should say. Yeah, so you can tie them up in a tree, um, high up and about, I think it's like three or four feet out from the tree. Um, that'll kind of keep it away from the bears, but bears are super smart. And I know in Desolation Wilderness, they are learning how to tear those down. So even that is, is not as safe of a place as a bear canister. So really do your research before heading out. and make Absolutely. Sure. That's always a good rule of thumb whenever you're going out places where you haven't been before. Exactly. And there are a fair amount of backcountry offices too that will rent out bear canisters to people that are camping in the backcountry because there there's a fair amount of spots that it's actually illegal to travel without a bear canister in the backcountry. Nice, good information there. Um, and anything else you want to add, Lauren, as far as Southern Nevada goes? I know we're it looks Northern Nevada, Southern Nevada, completely different country. So. Yeah. Um, in, in regards to backcountry or any hiking travel, you know, I've gotten a few folks reaching out to me regarding, you know, how they should act in, you know, while they're hiking in mountain lion country. So mountain lions generally prefer anywhere that you're seeing a good amount of deer or big red sheep or, you know, their typical prey animals. You run the chance to run into a mountain lion as well. So there are a few things that you can do to either prevent those encounters altogether or how to react when you do have those encounters. Uh, something that I know I do if I'm traveling in the backcountry and I know I'm in mountain lion country, um, it sounds kind of silly, but it gives me a little bit of security when I'm traveling, especially if, you know, if I am hiking alone or something, 
you can put sunglasses on the back of your head or put eyes on your hat. And so mountain lions aren't really able to detect a lot of the physical appearances of humans or tell body parts apart, but they are definitely in tune with what eyes look like on a lot of animals. And they prefer to attack from behind. So if they think that this human is facing them the entire time, then they're not gonna wanna pursue a stalk or a chase on you. So what? if you want to look really silly. <laughs> no, it, if it works, it works. That's yeah. really good information. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Um, and, if, that. and if you're hiking with trekking poles too, which I know a lot of us do, if you have trekking poles or a walking stick, you know, if you do run into a mountain lion or if you notice tracks, you know, become familiar with what their tracks look like, become familiar with the signs of mountain lions in the area that you're hiking in. So you understand where they are, where they might be. But if you have, if you run into a mountain lion and you have trekking poles, just put them above your head. Or if you have a jacket, you can put above your head. You just want to appear as large as possible and make sure you don't turn your back to it because you don't want to engage that chase or their instinct to approach you. And if you're with pets or kids, you know, keep them close to you. And especially with your pets, keep them leashed because you don't want them to encourage any sort of game with a cat. So I'm sure a lot of us have pet cats at home and they like to play games. So we don't want to start that game. We want to, you know, we want to take these things seriously and make sure that, that we're aware of our surroundings at all times. So, you know, just like uh, Jess was mentioning with encounters in the Western region, you want to appear large to any predatory animal. So you want to make sure that you are bigger and scarier than they are and they, they don't, if you, you know, show any sort of initiative to, especially with mountain lions, to fight back if they are being aggressive in any way, which is extremely uncommon. It is, you know, next to none that you'll actually have that sort of encounter. But if you do, you know, stand your ground and fight back because they are, they, they want to be lazy if they can be. If you seem like a hard target, they're going to move on to something else that's easier. They don't want to exert all their energy on you. And honestly, I don't think they would think humans taste very good anyway. <laughs> exactly. If any, if they were attacking a human, it'd probably be because they didn't know what was going on and they were afraid or who knows what it would be. But yeah, that's really yeah. good information. I feel so educated and ready to get out there. I, yeah, I needed to, a refresher on this because I am going to go out camping soon and I'm like, I'm an Endow employee. I need to do things right. So I'm glad I talked to you guys. Um, anything else? We, we're pretty much wrapped up, but anything you want to get out there before we do wrap up? Um, we live in Nevada. It's an awesome spot to live and we have so many cool um, things to look at, whether it be plants, animals. So really get outside and enjoy it because it's, it's a great time to do it. And with it cooling off now, oh, it's gonna be out on the hiking trails a lot. It's the perfect time to get out there. Yeah, and I would add to that, if you're in the Southern region, bring lots of water because it's still very hot here. Yeah, <laughs> remember to do your planning ahead. <laughs> so. Well, thank you both so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and I feel like you're regulars at this point, so I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. So, Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. Of course, and thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild.
Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.